You have heard me shout from the rooftops that our mission statement here at PFN is known, valued, and purposed. That PFN is an open door to know Jesus, to value others, and to find purpose in our lives. And that is 100% definitely true. However, our godly mission is to make Christ-like disciples in all of the nations. Our scriptural lens helps us see the revelations of the great redemptive story of God. And scripturally speaking, this ought to be our first and foremost perspective of understanding God and his son. Matthew 28 is the great commission and it requires us to make disciples of the way by obediently teaching everything Christ has taught us. Yes, scripture informs us But combined with the work of the Holy Spirit, it transforms us for the purpose of being and becoming sanctified people. Sanctification is the beautiful act and work of God that transforms believers into the likeness of Christ, being made free from sin and the cleansing of the heart with an inviting, indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, being brought into a state of entire devotion to God, By holy obedience, the believer is able to live a life worthy of service to God and to others. And we've already seen two this morning. Without such powerful purpose, a powerful purpose, our witness may be weakened and grace itself could be frustrated and ultimately lost. Participating in this means of grace, especially by fellowship, disciplines, and sacraments of the church, believers grow in grace, wholehearted love to God and to neighbors. This entire devotion to God is central. It is our core belief and practice as Nazarenes. We are holiness people. And as such, I have found a personal devotion and hunger for the word of God. I am fascinated by the study of theology. Did you know that you guys are theologians? You study the word. And those that have studied it and written on the subject matter way before my time. So I may not be a great house, a Dunning, an Oswald Chambers, or a Dr. Scott Sherwood, perhaps even other pastors in this room, but I have studied the word to capture a sanctifying power. I have studied and unpacked the word to grasp a better understanding, to gain the knowledge of who God is, his character, his sovereignty, and to be changed by the words of Christ and by his life. I want that sanctifying power that the word can bring. And I desire that for PFN as we dive deeper into what discipleship is going to look like today moving forward. We could dissect the word to attempt to uh, unravel it, perhaps interpret it otherwise, unable to distinguish the truth that God is speaking to us and cook up our own theology, which is very dangerous to do. But I know that this church, that you guys, you love the word, you love the truth, you meditate in it. And I believe as body of, uh, as we, the body of believers, we can fall in love with the undeniable truth. 
We must not only marinate in it, though, to gain this knowledge and understanding, but to apply the understanding, the knowledge, to those who have never heard of it before, that it has a transforming power and purity. It is a relational letter from the people of God to us. And it is by the grace of God that we have the ability and the capacity to come to know a God that loves his people so much that he would use you as a mouthpiece and a mirror. Now, last week, I touched a little bit on provenient grace, that this, un, um, this undeserved supernatural kindness that God moves around before us, setting up the stages of our life so that we can come to know him and then ultimately to saving grace. Christ taking our sin and our shame in the way of the cross and bloodshed for our sins as we acknowledge that we in fact do need a savior. And so now, now that we know what Jesus has done, what he's done for us, what he's called us for, his disciples to disciple others, and that we're soaked in this truth and what the word says, now what do we do with that? So last week, the message was, you are a disciple. This week, the message is, I'm a disciple. Now what? Such a clever sermon title, don't you say? (laughs) However, there's a vast difference between being saved and being a disciple. Not all people who are saved are disciples. However, all people that are disciples are saved. If it weren't for a disciplined person that met me in my darkest and deepest trap, I would have not have known the Lord Jesus as my savior and my Lord. And that's what I believe wholeheartedly, that found people find people. I have sensed that major events of one's life may have not known otherwise the impact that they had on my life and so many others along their Jesus journey. If they had not loved Jesus, obeyed his commands, and taught others how to live a sanctified life, I wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be here today. Think about that. That someone loved Christ so much and lived for Christ so well that they were willing to see them, to actually see them, to help them with the guidance of spiritual transformation. How beautiful are the feet that carry the gospel? How beautiful are the feet? That's sanctifying power. That's powerful. So we're going to take a look at a passage in 2 Peter. So if you want to go to 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse 3. And there's five points that I want to reference in this passage this morning, but let's read together. So 2 Peter chapter 1, we're starting with verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us the very precious, the great and very precious uh, promises so that through them you may participate in divine nature, having escaped the corruption of this world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, 
goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive and in your knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and my beautiful sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and to which you will receive a welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord, Savior Jesus Christ. From an apostle that I have never met, I feel like we know what Peter is trying to say to us, church. He's essentially saying, get ready, it's about to get real. Are you ready? Let's get ready, because it's about to get real. By his sanctifying power, you will have everything you need. I know a lot of you love to fill out your outlines. That's the very first one. You, you will have everything you need to live a godly life. We have everything that we need to live a holy life, to do what God is asking us. And Peter says, so I will remind you of these things, even though you know them and are established in the truth, now begin to put effort into living it out. Put feet to your faith and hand in action that your ways becomes God ways and God ways become your ways. For possessing these qualities that he has mentioned, you will become effective producing your calling and sharing the gospel. But not just sharing the gospel, but producing fruit by the power of the gospel. That's quite transforming. It's divine. It's supernatural. It has been given to us to help us maintain and to pertain our life. And we can't act holy. We can't pretend to be holy. We are called to be holy. Point number two, we are called people. We are all called. We are all called, consecrated, which means set apart. And it's only by his power that we are set apart. I can't call on myself to be set apart because I will be frustrated and overwhelmed. And to know of this power, we must know God. To truly be intimate with God, to hear his voice, to be motivated to answer his calling, no matter when he rings the phone that we are called, no matter our age, no matter our pedigree, our background, no matter the color of our skin, no matter what gender, we are called people. And to know of Jesus and how he walked with people and cared for people and healed people, restored people, he even saved people, he used the people that he was calling. He was actively participating, and that was his plan and his purpose, that he was actively participating in listening and loving people right where they were at 
and we can do that too. Point number three, we actively participate in the redemptive story. We are willing to almost try anything except participate in people's lives when we're trying to minister to them. We will trust the schemes of man and the plans of men instead of knowing Christ, the knowledge of him and what he's asking us to do. We will try knowing ourselves rather than knowing Jesus and his people. And we need to come to a place that the Apostle Paul did when he said in Philippians that I may know him. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, know Christ, know of the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. We will suffer, but become like him in death. That is my life verse, Galatians 2.20. I no longer live. Christ lives within me. I've been crucified. When Jesus died, I died. When Jesus rose, I rose. A new creation. And that is the redemptive story for all of us, for all of us, that Christ lives within us, dwells within us. To know God, to know God is to know the redemptive story of others, to actively participate in discipleship because stories matter. Everyone here has a story and every story matters. We become effective ministers when we listen actively and participate in the redemption story by his sanctifying power. By his sanctifying power, we increase our measure by being effective and productive in our relationships with other, by learning of his goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, which is respect for others even though they may disagree with me, we might have difference, opinion, difference of opinions, but that's mutual affection and then to love. By his sanctifying power, we are effective and productive in making Christ-like disciples in all of the nations. It is comforting to know that through his grace and his peace, that it sustains us on our journey of entire devotion to God that we must add to our faith. But we must acknowledge that we've got some work to do. We gotta do the work. If we want to make, or if our desire, our hope, is to make Christ-like disciples, we need to assess our own personal inventory, what's going on inside of us, and reevaluate what's at stake. Now, last week I said I'm gonna hit you guys with some truth wasn't my truth, it was the word, that's truth. And I wanna kinda pivot here just a little bit. I wanna address something, just, just something really, really tiny, just a little tiny, minuscule little elephant in the room, super tiny. Peter says we ought to make every effort in adding to our faith. For if we possess these qualities, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, this mutual affection and love, it will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive. Hmm. Did you get that? If we make every effort in adding to our existing faith, if we possess these qualities of God, we will not be ineffective or unproductive. 
Now, I don't think Peter is talking about our attendance. I don't think that's what he's talking about. I don't think that he's saying, how packed can you get the sanctuary? How filled up can you get kid zone and refuge? I don't think that's what he's talking about. It's not a numbers game. You see, what I believe Peter is talking about is bearing fruit, adding to what we already have inside our hearts. That we will increase our faith by the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit if we actually possess these godlike qualities in the first place. That if we actually lived out these qualities rather than just speaking them, then we will see a sanctifying power release a revival that we've never seen before. And we can establish that. Now, I'm not saying that we're apathetic or indifferent. I'm not saying that at all. I know you. I know the people, the quality of people. You guys love people. I know that. But you see, the world collapsed, and it hasn't been the same since. And we've blamed COVID. And some of us are still blaming COVID. Oh, the people left the church. So-and-so left the church, and they're not coming back. Well, maybe they don't need to come back. Maybe they found a home church where they're fitting in and they're being discipled. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, you might need to call them and ask them, check up on them. Have you done that? Are we just counting numbers or are we counting souls? Pandemics cause a global economy to crash and collapse and death to many, but the mission is still relevant and it's still real. That has not changed and neither should we. We cannot and must not become complacent. We must be compelled to witness lives changed. Stories matter, lives matter. They must change for the goodness of God. We have work to do church. And guess what? We have everything that we need to do the work. God says it in his word, and we believe that it's true. He has called us. This is not a numbers game. This is a soul-winning war because there's a real enemy out to get us. Do you know that you have an enemy? This might be controversial. This might be controversial, but guess what? We are not building a church for people. We are building people to be the church. Did you hear that? We are building people to be the church. We are built off the foundation of Christ in us, and he has laid the foundation on which we are to build our faith, not someone else's faith. In him we are joined together and rise to become a holy temple in the eyes of the Lord. And in him you have become a vessel into which the Holy Spirit lives to do the good works that he's already prepared you to do in advancement, that provenient grace. You didn't even know that you were going to disciple someone today, but he knew a millennia ago. This church does not need more church buildings. This church needs more disciples to move onward the mission of Matthew 28. Jesus didn't come to build, to build us a religious meeting house so that we can argue about the color of the carpet 
or who's sitting in my spot or the preference of worships that we sing. Listen, those matter. And again, this might be controversial. This might be controversial, but I'm going to say it. Or who's sitting in the White House or who's not sitting in the White House. Yes, those things matter. They do matter. And maybe I ought not to tiptoe around that, but I feel like I have to preface that because I might hurt someone's feelings. But here's a surprising question that deserves a nagging answer. Who is sitting on the throne of your heart? Is it Jesus? Who is sitting on the throne of your heart? Has anybody ever asked, where's the cross? If you don't know, it's behind the screen. Does anybody care about the cross? Have you come to the cross? Listen, we are designed to respond and to worship appropriately to his signs and wonders, not just songs. We respond appropriately to his signs and wonders and his power of what he's doing in our lives and the lives of others, or else this is just another religious practice that we're doing out of habit. I just show up at nine, I put my check in, I close my eyes, maybe look around and see who's picking their nose and then I'm out of here. We've got to take this seriously. We have got to realize that maybe, just maybe, that the traditional methods that we've been trained to perform, we might need to adjust them, readjust them. We must go deeper with them not just attend church, but be the church because we're no longer strangers to this. Remember I told you that last week? We can't claim mea culpa, I did not know. We are no longer strangers and we cannot hide behind our cladding anymore. We need to recognize the priority of doing the work and having the work done in us. That's sanctification. Listen, someone out there on God's green earth might need you to be the witness, to share your faith boldly, how to study the word, to help them build a foundation. I'm sorry if this message is not for someone today, but I believe it's for everyone, not just one. I'm sorry if this is something that you didn't want to hear today, but guess what? It's time to go to church. That is not a threat, it's a reality, because heaven is real and so is hell. Listen, I'm not a scientist, but I'm pretty sure I can't go back in time no matter how many flux capacitors I have. We need to transform the way we disciple, not just transmit. Information is wonderful, but transformation is powerful. What we don't realize uh, is that if we keep playing it safe, we will exclude ourselves out of the opportunity of being um, a co-laborer with God in the redemptive story. That is why discipleship is vital. It spans all demographics and generations. This redemptive story is for everyone and it includes the many stories and examples of God that he can use you and anybody. God used a donkey. <laughs> we cannot play it safe anymore. We have to acknowledge that people, people, souls, souls are dying. And we've got to populate heaven like yesterday. We have to populate heaven like yesterday. Now listen, I'm sure heaven is just amazing. 
It's just beautiful, right? I'm going to have a mansion next to you. You can come over and borrow sugar anytime you want, sister. I'm sure it's beautiful. But listen, heaven is our home. That's where we're going. But Jesus is our GPS. We don't just arrive home. We got to know how to get there. He leads us there. He leads us on the way. And there's so many that are lost in need of guidance and direction. And we can't be so about heaven for us that we miss out on opportunities of sharing what the gospel is for others to get them there too while we're here on this earth. Does that make sense? We can't be so about us getting to heaven and our family and our friends and our already Christian family and friends. We got to worry about, I shouldn't say worry. We have to have a desire to meet people in their need. Share the gospel, share our testimony, share our faith so that they make a choice. Like Josh said, we're not saving people. Jesus is saving. We're just the vessel. We no longer can sit on the sidelines. We no longer can sit on the sidelines dipping our toes in the pool wondering whether or not monitoring the degree as to which we will decide if we're going to swim or not. We can't test the water and be like, eh, it's too cold. Eh, that's too warm. You want to hear something cool? No one ever checks the temperature of the water when someone's drowning, right? No one ever checks the temperature of the pool water when someone's asking, hey, help, I'm drowning here. You rescue without thought. You just jump in, fear and all, because someone's dying. And your mindset, our mindset, can't be, what if they don't like me? Remember what I said last week? Jesus said to make disciples, not make more of ourselves. Yes, God created this wonderful and perfect person, wonderfully and fearfully made human being that you are. But it ain't about you, boo. It's not about you. We preach Christ crucified. Some of us need to die to ourselves if we've got to be honest. We have to disciple folks. And guess what? They may not like you. It's okay. Jesus warns the disciples of this in John 15. If the world hates you, keep in mind that they hated me first. If you belong to the world as you love as its, as its own, as it is, you don't belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of this world. That is why the world hates you. This is such an encouraging and happy message this morning. I'm so glad that you came. And he says, remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute you, me, they are going to persecute you also. If you obey my teaching, they will obey it also. Listen, the enemy is going to use that against you. No one wants to hear what you have to say around the water cooler. Don't talk about Jesus. That's, that's embarrassing. No one wants to hear that. Ignore that gibberish. We stay committed to the call, no matter what. The enemy uses the scheme of fear and insecurity to target God's people. 
He tries to disable you by stirring fear, distracting us by playing on our insecurities, debilitating us with his lies so that we don't move forward in the mission. And we have been given permission to be commissioned. We stay committed to the gospel and to the call. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort Make every effort in confirming your call. Last week I stated that we are a great commissioned church. As a global community of faith, we are commissioned to take the good news of Jesus Christ to everywhere and to spread the message of scriptural holiness across the lands. Across the lands. How beautiful are the feet that bring good news. You have been changed, so bring the good news. Bring the good news to people. Ephesians 2, uh, chapter 2, verses 19 19 to 22, it says this, Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens of God's people and members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you are being built together to become a dwelling, a dwelling, a residing in which God, his spirit lives within you. We must remain close to him, in him, so that we bear fruit. Apart from him, we are nothing. It's interesting that Jesus uses his language, if. He says if a lot. He gives us a choice. He states the fact that you must be born again if you want to live a life sanctified and saved. And you have a choice in the matter. Have you made that choice today? Have you made that choice that you want to be saved and sanctified? Do you want to? Do you even want to? Don't wait till tomorrow. Make the choice today. Don't put it off. Make the decision now. If you haven't made that decision, if you had not made that choice, today is your day. Take this opportunity right now. Go to God. It's just you and him. Ask Jesus to come into your heart, to cleanse your heart from sin. Ask for forgiveness and turn from the old life into a new creation, made new today. And if you've made that decision, I would love to talk to you. I'll be at the back. I would love to talk to you and see what our next steps together will look like. You know, there's so many pastors and leaders that have been commissioned to share the good news that disciples make disciples. They're hero makers. And I can think of so many people that are not even pastors, but they are ministers of the gospel. Someone here is a hero maker. He's made his life mission Uh, to share the gospel and continues to do so, sharing the love and the life of Christ, imparting knowledge, goodness, self-control, perseverance, 
godliness, and mutual affection and love. And I'm, incredible, I'm incredibly thankful for this hero maker, for his dedication to the church. He has made such a huge impact on my life in all of your lives. And I'm gonna ask his son, would you bring up the brick? So Big John, he's already in Sunday school because Big John loves the word, thank you. And he teaches disciples to make disciples. So I have the honor and privilege of taking that stone and we're gonna continue to add to our build. And I love him and I know that you love him. So when you see him, give him a big hug and tell him thank you. Now this one's hard. This one's really, really hard for me because you guys have had him more than I have. You've watched him grow. Actually, you watched them both grow, both Ashley and Josh, grow to be mature Christians and have witnessed countless lives changed over the years from yeses to Jesus, to baptisms, he baptized my son, to weddings, to pie auctions, and missions trips, and so many fun and exciting things that were life-giving, life-serving moments for our youth and for our church. But most importantly, you both discipled well, both adults and students. The kingdom is greater because of the Parkers, amen? amen? And to even say that we're not saying goodbye, just see you later, and I wanna say thank you for building good people. Christ-loving, Christ-serving, sanctified, saved people. Thank you for that. Will you do the honor in laying a stone for us? You can just lay it right there. And we're gonna build something together today, church. I know we've got like two minutes, but we're going over y'all. <laughs> For this church has been saved and sanctified and ready to do the work. Are you ready to do the work? Because I'm ready to do the work. And I wanna give you a choice today. Do you want to build his church? You have a choice. Do you want to build his church? Folks, it's not time to be passive. We've got to be passionate about the mission of Christ making Christ-like disciples, rooted and established in Christ, not of this dark world. And you have a choice. You have witnessed so many lives in this beautiful ch church be transformed throughout the years of people making a choice, a decision to change their life and the impact that remains. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. If you wanna go fast, go alone. If you want to go farther, go together. So come and build your church. We're going to build something. We're going to fashion it obviously later, but we're going to build it now. So a couple weeks back, Pastor Jake, he preached this amazing message about bearing fruit. And I was talking to my friend, Jill Mason, and she said, you know, let's build a bench. I thought, that's such a beautiful idea. So we're gonna build a bench to sit in our scripture garden in the back. 
This is gonna be for us, you guys. Now, this is not an idol. It's just something that we can look at and say, like, look what we built together. And to even think about this message that Jake brought about building, bearing fruit. And I had these little beads and I was like, they kind of do look like fruit. So would you come and build? Would you come and build? Would you come and bear much fruit together? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go farther, we go together. So I invite you to come and actively participate and to grab a stone and to build. Come and build. Raise a firm today. 